Thank you, guys. What a great song. Man, if, if the sermon is as good as that song, it's going to be a good day around here. That's good. That's one of my favorites. Uh, today we start, yeah, they don't do that while I'm preaching, <laughs> thankfully. Um, uh, today we start a, a new five-week series. It's called Covenant. And earlier this year, I asked everybody on one weekend uh, if they would fill out three-by-five cards with issues, questions about relationships on it. And I got back over 80 cards, so some of them had more than one uh, question on it. And um, so I was struck with two things the, the first time I read through these cards. And the first was how many of the cards were uh, about the basic stuff that you always talk about when you talk about marriage. Just how do I communicate without fighting? How do we work together on our finances? How do you rekindle the romance? How do you raise the kids? How do you balance work and home? And I was just struck with the ongoing need for good, basic instruction on marriage. Because none of us know as much about marriage as we think we do. Uh, Marriage is harder for all of us than we would like it to be, and we all need all the help we can get. So as your pastor, I just need to lay it out there for you every once in a while, even though we've heard it all before. Okay. The the second thing I noticed, and, and this one almost overwhelmed me, was how much pain was expressed in these cards. I mean, I've been praying over these cards, pondering over this series, and and there have been times when I have literally been overcome with grief with the amount of pain that exists in our church family in regards to our relationships. And I've come to the conclusion that nothing approaches the level of expectation that a bride and groom have for their marriage. The expectations, the hopes, the dreams, the desires for our marriages are just extremely high. Nothing approaches that expectation, and nothing approaches the level of disappointment and pain when those expectations aren't met. I mean, the level of pain and resentment and bitterness and anger and disappointment that just flows out of our relationships is massive. Think about it this way. How many songs are love songs, and how many songs are broken heart songs? I mean, you can get a CD with two songs back-to-back, one's a love song, one's a broken heart song, sung by the same artist about the same person. It's just amazing. How many stories are love stories? How many stories are just tragic, broken heart stories? The expectation of love fuels our passions, our dreams, our desires, and the disappointment of love breaks our hearts and brings us pain. And chances are, if you've lost sleep over the last few weeks, it's because of a relationship. Now, the reason our relationships don't work is we try to live out our relationships on our terms, not God's terms. And so we need to transform our thinking regarding our relationships, just the very basics of how and why they function. Because if we follow our plan, we're going to reap pain. But if we follow God's plan, we'll reap blessing and joy. How many of you have ever heard of Sven and Oli or Oli and Lena jokes? Anybody heard of Sven and Oli, Oli and Lena? i got some Scandinavians in the group here. I married into a Swedish family. My wife and her family, 100% Swede, Scandinavians. One of the first things I encountered was Sven and Oli jokes. And when you get home today, Google it. Don't do it during church. But um, you'll run into Oli and Lena jokes. And Oli and Lena, they're a Scandinavian couple. They got married back in the old days. And they left the church... For their honeymoon in a horse and buggy. 
And the rig actually belonged to Lena. So they get in the buggy, and she takes the reins giddy-up, and they go trotting down the road. And just a little ways down from the church, the horse stops still in, in the middle of the road. Lena gets out, walks around in front of the horse, grabs him by the halter, looks him in the eye, says, that's one. Horse gets the message. She goes back, gets behind, giddy up, there you head down the road. Get a little ways down the road, the horse stops again. Lena gets out, walks around, grabs him by the halter, looks him in the eye. That's two. Horse gets the message. She goes back, giddy up, they head down the road. Horse stops a third time. Lena gets out, walks around to the front of the horse, pulls a pistol out of her handbag, and bam, shoots him right in the head. Ole jumps up. Lena, are you crazy? That's our only horse. Now we're going to have to walk to our honeymoon. What in the world is the matter with you, woman? And Lena looks at Ole and says, that's one. (laughs) And they lived happily ever after. (laughs) Here's the deal. The, The relationships you have in marriage and family and really with other people flow out of and affect your relationship with God. So much so, they're tied together so much so that when Jesus was asked to summarize all the commandments in one sentence, he said, I can't do it in one, but I can do it in two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because in your relationships, the vertical affects the horizontal, and the horizontal affects the vertical. Your relationship with people will affect your relationship with God. And your relationship with God affects your relationships with people. If you want your relationships with people to work, you've got to get closer to God. If you want your relationship with God to work, you've got to get closer to people. You can't love God without loving people, and you can't love people without loving God. And that's why attending church together regularly as a family is the single most important thing you can do for your marriage. I mean, I have no better marriage advice to give you than to tell you to do what you are doing right now. Just attend church together with your family. It is huge in making your relationships work. It's my personal testimony after 41 years. It's my in-laws' testimony after 65-plus years. It's my kids' testimonies in their marriages. I've got dozens and dozens of friends with the same testimony. Dozens and dozens of you at Rockbrook have the same testimony. If you will dedicate yourself to loving God, you will be better equipped to love your spouse, your kids, your neighbor. Jesus says you can love your enemies if you love God. That's how powerful it is. So I'm going to start out today with a very basic biblical concept of relationships. And everybody needs to get this concept of covenant. Covenant. Want us to see this in a passage from Malachi chapter 2. It says, You flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why. God, Why? Why are you so far from me? I'm going to church. I'm in my small group. I'm involved in a ministry. I'm tithing. God, you seem so distant. Why? God says it's because of your relationships. It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. God says, I'm a witness to what you've been doing. And I see the problem. The problem is in your relationship. You have been unfaithful to her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage, say the word with me, covenant. 
Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. God says the reason you need to get it right is because your relationship with your husband, your relationship with your wife will affect your family for generations. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. Now today, I want to share with you the concept of covenant, the concept of viewing relationships as a binding agreement, an agreement that is sealed in blood. In Hebrew, the word covenant, it's the word berit, and it actually means to cut and cause to bleed. When we make a covenant, we cut a covenant. That's the the terminology that's used. And in the old traditional Jewish wedding ceremony, they would actually cut your hand. The priest is like, let's get this marriage underway. Forget the ring, I got a knife. And he'd take the groom's hand and slice it, make it bleed. And then he'd grab the bride's hand and he'd slice it and make it bleed. And then he'd press their hands together and tie a cord around them. And throughout the rest of the ceremony, they stood there bleeding together. And the priest is saying, look, this is not just some separate person that you're in love with. You need to see them as a blood-mingled, same-blood kind of person because blood is thicker than water. Now, that's a concept of marriage that our generation has lost. Back in 1970, California became the first state to have a no-fault divorce. And now, in all 50 states, you can end a marriage for no reason other than you just don't want to be married anymore. And we have lost the idea of marriage being a covenant, and we've turned marriage into a contract. And I'm convinced we need to go back to God's design for our relationships if we want them to work. Malachi says, has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. God is the one I go to to seal my relationships. And they're to be lived out according to his concept of covenant. Not just a human contract of convenience. In the Muslim culture, when a couple gets married, they sign a contract. And the man will many times carry the contract in his pocket. Woman doesn't get this prerogative, but the guy gets to carry that contract around in his pocket as a source of leverage with his wife or wives. Because at any time, he can pull out the contract, tear it up, she's out of the marriage, out of the house. And so she does something that he doesn't like. He can, uh, 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 uh. She burns the falafel. Uh, 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 uh. Starch in his shorts. Uh, 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 uh. Tears it up. Marriage is over. She gone. Now, as mean-spirited and as sexist and as ridiculous as that seems, we're not far from that in our culture, the way we threaten divorce. The way we trot to the courthouse and end the marriage, like we're just breaking an inconvenient business contract instead of ripping apart two people who've been joined by a blood covenant. Aren't you glad Jesus is in covenant with you instead of a contract? You ever given Jesus reason to ditch you? Like a thousand times a week. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why? Because Jesus doesn't have a no-fault contract with you. He is in a blood covenant with you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. The new covenant in my blood. 
Now, let me tell you where almost all of you are right now. Because when I start talking about your relationships being covenant relationships that are sealed in blood, you start thinking about how messed up your relationships are. Because we have all screwed up our relationships. We all have. You know the verse in Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That phrase, fall short of the glory of God, literally means we have screwed up our relationships. That phrase, the, the glory of God, it's not referring to God being all shiny and bright and we're dull, or God's holy and we're not. It's referring to God's design for relationships, our vertical relationships with God and our horizontal relationships with one another. God says we all fall short. I mean, I studied this hard this week. You can check this out. I made phone calls and everything. I mean, you know, what, what does God's glory mean? Exodus 33, Moses asked God to show him his glory. And as you read through that passage, God doesn't show Moses his big attributes. He doesn't say, I'm all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. No. God starts talking about how he relates to people. He starts talking about, I'm forgiving, I'm compassionate, I'm merciful. Glory is expressed in relating to people. Kind of at the climax of the chapter, God says, I am so glorious, I am in covenant with you. Go to John chapter 17. Look at Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus talks a lot about glory in that chapter. His glory, God's glory, our glory. Glory is used, and it's used in reference to relationships. Our relationship with Christ, Christ's relationship with us, Christ's relationship with God, our relationship with God. Glory is all about relationships. And the reality is we all fall short in this area. Every one of us in every relationship. That's why we need redemption. That's why we need mercy and grace and forgiveness. That's why we need a Savior, because our relationships are so out of whack. Now, I'm not here to scrape the scab off your wound. I'm not here to drag the skeletons out of your closet. I'm not here to shame you about your past. I'm here to rescue your future. Thank God for the grace of God that covers our past. So just relax. I'm, I'm not gunning with you for you with this series. But if I'm going to be a good pastor, I've got to speak the truth in this area. And I hear people say it all the time, oh, go deeper, pastor. Give me some deep truth. Well, here's some deep truth. Blood covenant. Uh, can we go back to that book of Revelation thing and make some charts and graphs? Because I think I know when Jesus is coming back. I don't want to talk about this blood covenant stuff. No, this is going to be a challenging series. But I promise you I'll give it with as much grace as I can. And all I'm asking is don't, don't screen me out. Don't shut me out. You know, he thinks I'm a bad person because I got divorced or because I'm living with somebody. No, I'm not listening to him. No, I just need you to give me five weeks so I can present this whole package to you because it's a package deal. In fact, as I've been working on this, I wish we could have done this as an event rather than a series and just got everybody together for about four hours and just given it all to you in one swell foop and just get the whole package at once. But, but honestly, there are some advantages to stretching it out over time give you a chance to process. You give this all in one dose, it's, it's a hard to handle. But the key to me spreading it out over five weeks is I need you not to shut me out because you've heard one, one little part that you don't like. 
You know, listen to every sermon in the sermon series. If you can't be here, get a CD, listen online. We have over 130 people every week listen online. That's like a whole other service, just listening online. Listen to the whole series. If you don't like it at the end, fine. But, but don't listen to the first sermon and, and say, Kelly, that's one. Okay? You know, I'm just trying to be a good pastor here. I want to help you. Not treating you any differently than I want to be treated. And there is so much grace headed your way. The last sermon in this series is covenant grace. Because, man, we all need it. I, I am for you, not against you on this. So let me start laying the foundation here this week. Covenant, on your notes. Covenant, a solemn agreement between two parties for the purpose of creating and maintaining a successful relationship. That's my thesis for this whole series. Our relationships aren't successful unless we get them to God's standard, unless they are covenant relationships. That's why our friendships, marriages, parent-child relationships fail, because we don't get them to covenant. They fall short of the glory of God. But if we can get them to covenant, they work. You know, what, what, what if our, our non-blood relationships... Like, you know, parent, child, brother, and sister. What if our non-blood relationships became blood relationships based on covenant? What would that look like? Because that's the kind of relationship that Jesus has with you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Jesus has a covenant relationship with you. And he wants you to enjoy a covenant relationship with others. Relationships that rise to the level of the glory of God. I mean, isn't that what you want for your marriage and for your family? How do we get there? Three foundational concepts of covenant and and three differences with contracts. First, covenant is based on mutual commitment. Commitment. We live in a generation that wants a way out. We want an escape clause. We like marriages with prenups and no fault. Now, in the business world, you need to work on the basis of contracts. Contracts spell everything out. They they offer direction. They offer protection. You know, as a church, we enter into contracts with vendors and companies when we do stuff. But when it comes to relationships, it just doesn't work if you always got the paper in your front pocket. You know, covenant says... I'm willing to be unhappy until we can work this out. Covenant says, I ain't going nowhere. Bad grammar, good preaching. I ain't going nowhere. Okay? You know, Katie and I, 41 years ago, took divorce off the table. And and taking divorce off the table means we fight different. You know, we don't have any fewer disagreements probably than any other couple. In fact, there are no two more different people than Katie and I. I mean, the longer, you know, people say the longer you're married, the more you become alike. The longer we're married, the more different we are. I mean, we are different in everything. We drive differently, eat differently, think differently about almost everything. In fact, a few years ago, I tried an experiment. For one week, every time I did something, I did the exact opposite of how I thought I should do it. I I just thought, okay, this is how I would do this. I mean, from driving, I think I ought to go down here and turn left. No, I'm going to go down here and turn right. Just everything. I just did it the opposite. Best week of Katie's life. <laughs> Get to the end of, she is just elated at the end of the week. Oh, my, you're just wonderful. And I'm like, I ain't doing this no more because this is too hard. This is too hard. 
You know, we spend our entire married life going along behind each other, rearranging stuff. I mean, you open the dishwasher. Who in the world would put this here? This goes here. This goes here. I shut it and walk away. Look, orange. Who would put this here? This goes here. And I don't mean just petty stuff. I mean big stuff. I mean big stuff, like where to live and what to do and how to raise kids. And I mean, we are just as different and night. We could be fighting all the time. But because we've taken divorce off the table, it means if we fight about everything, we're going to be miserable for the rest of our lives. And so instead of fighting about our differences, we just laugh at them. I'll pull in the parking lot, and Katie will just burst out laughing. She'll go, why in the world would you park here? And I said, why? Because you'd park clear over there? And she goes, yeah. And then we make up. We didn't even fight. We just make up because it's more fun to make up than it is to fight. You just need, you need commitment when things aren't going good. If things are good, no one wants out of the relationship. But if you bail out a commitment when it's not going good, then what's the point of the commitment? You never even had commitment because the purpose of commitment is to keep you together when it's bad. Commitment is willing to be unhappy until you can work it out. Covenant people consider the person more important than the issue that you're fighting about. I mean, whatever you're fighting about, let's just say you're right. Let's just concede. You're right, they're wrong. But the minute you make that issue more important than the person, you have devalued the relationship. You've devalued the relationship. Covenant says you're more important than whatever we're fighting about. You're more important to me than me being right. Contract is based on mutual distrust. Contract says, I'm watching you. I'm watching you. You don't have to raise your hands on this, but you know, how many of you have bought a house in the last few years and had to go in and sign all the contracts? I mean, it's just amazing all the contracts you have to sign. And, and, and I, I was struck with how many of the forms are forms that are about other forms. I mean, at one point in the process, you have to sign a form that says, if I didn't sign any of the other forms right, this form will count for that form. You know, you sign one that says if there's any typos in any of these forms, this form says it's okay for you to fix the typos. I mean, why do we have all of that? Because everybody's looking for an out. Everybody's looking for a loophole. And we carry that corporate contract thinking into our personal relationships. You know, you mess me over. I'm ready for you. I'm watching. That's not how God wants us to live in our relationships. Since we are all one body in Christ... We belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. Covenant relationships are about commitment, not distrust. I belong to you. You belong to me. We belong to Jesus. We all need each other. Another distinction of covenant. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibilities. Oh, we hate that word surrender. Not too wild about the word responsibility. But we love our rights. Yeah. No. Covenant says, I- I'm, I'm here to serve you. The most awesome relationship in the world is when two servants are in love. The most awful relationship in the world is when two masters are in love. I mean, you get two people trying to, to outserve one another, it's an amazing thing. You get two people trying to boss each other around. It's an amazing thing, but it's a whole different kind of amazing. With one, it's just like, oh, man, that is just so beautiful. And with the other, it's just, what in the world is up with that? And you've seen them both. 
Which one are you? Contract protects rights and shirks responsibility. With contract, that's one. That's two. Uh, uh. God says, no, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love isn't making a list and checking it twice. Love is burning the list as soon as something's on it. Covenant has the interest of the other in mind. Contract has personal interest in mind. And when you enter into a covenant, the main focus becomes, well, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? You enter into contract, it becomes, what's in it for me? And if you entered into your marriage thinking, what's in it for me? I guarantee you, you're experiencing a lot of frustration. But you make it your focus to meet the needs of your spouse. Amazing, wonderful things begin to happen. God says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Because he knows. He knows what's best for us. Now, I, I I got a confession to make here. I hope at this point that I have created a massive amount of frustration in you. I mean, I hope you are thinking this is going to be one of the worst sermon series in the history of Rockbrook. Because my whole goal today, I'm hoping you're thinking, Kelly, you, you are asking me to do stuff I know I can't do. Because the goal today is to bring you to the dilemma. What's the dilemma? The dilemma is I can't do it. I can't do that. And you're right. You can't. You can't unless it's been done to you. And when it's been done to you, the power of it comes inside of you and changes you. I mean, our relationships are not legal agreements that are made at the courthouse. Our relationships are a spiritual endeavor. And when you receive covenant love, From a covenant God, a miracle takes place. You're not just informed on how to do the relationship. You are transformed. If anyone is in Christ, he has become a new creature. It's the gospel. It's regeneration. We love because he first loved us. And my prayer for this series is not that you'll just get a bunch of information to make your friendships, marriages, families better. My prayer is that you will experience God's covenant love and it will change everything everything that's covenant power let's pray together I want to invite you just to bow your heads in prayer nobody moving around at this time let's just make just make this a sacred moment if you're frustrated saying I can't do this good Because our sin nature should be frustrated that we can't do what God asks us to do. God understands that. He's ready for it. But it's going to take more than my instruction and you reading some Bible verses. We've got to open up our lives to the supernatural change that can take place when we stop trying to do relationships on our terms and start trying to do them on God's terms. Because God knew you couldn't do this on your own. He never expected you to. That's why he sent Jesus. Now listen carefully. A lot of us have received Christ, but we have not been changed by Christ. We've bought into the concept of Christianity, maybe for years, 
but we have never let the power of Christ change us inside. And if you'd say today, I I am frustrated, I am not the person I want to be. God is not interested in you being a new and improved you. The Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, poured out his blood for me. And maybe your problem is you have a contract with God, but you've never come into a covenant with God. You have a contract with him to forgive your sins and get you into heaven, but you're not living in covenant with him, covenant power with him. And maybe you're a Christian, but you find your your relationships with your friends, your spouse, your family, even your God, have just grown so stale, so stretched, so strained that they're in jeopardy. If that's you, you just raise your hand right now. Don't wait. Just put your hand up. Say, God, that is me. I want to invite you just to pray a prayer with me. And today, I want to enter into covenant with you. Jesus, be my Lord. Be number one in my life. Come into my life. Live inside of me so I can change, so I can be a brand new person, so I can experience your covenant love, your covenant power. God, I just pray for each person in this place that you would move in their heart and life, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.